1: So today on the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, we have a survivor story today. So please welcome Ashley to the show. Thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing a bit of yourself with us. Hi, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I haven't seen you since the girl's we went over to Starbucks for uh, for an outing, and uh, we had that incident with the spider. <laughs> yes. I know, multiple spiders crawling around the table and on you. <laughs> oh, well, I thought that Kelly had killed the one on the ground, and then we found out there was another one, and it was on my shoulder. And you want to see me freak out? Okay. That's that's how you get me to freak out, is a spider. So here we are, <laughs> trying to kill the spider so but we had a good time it was fun just fun to get out it was a hot day we were out there roasting in the in the heat but it was just fun to get out and and uh, have some girl time right yes definitely we needed it i think kelly said that uh, she wants to go to cheesecake factory next she told me that there's gluten-free options for us so i'm like I haven't been to Cheesecake Factory because it's, one, it's really expensive, and two, the calories are huge, and three, yeah. they never had anything gluten-free, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I haven't been there like 10 years. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, I think it's been
0: about, oh gosh, probably more, like 15 years for me probably. <laughs> so, uh,
1: So yeah, we'll plan on that. Yes. So let's um let's get uh get to know you a little better. So give us a little introduction about yourself. Um, you know, what general part of the country are you from and are you married, how many kids you got, what do you do for a living, that kind of stuff. Okay. Well my name is
0: Ashley, like you said, and I live in Arizona. Um I've been here for five years now. Um I was living in North Carolina with my husband and our family for we were on the east coast for about oh gosh probably about eight years or so and um living in north carolina virginia um in that area um so i met diana through mending the soul Um, i joined because i have been separated from my husband for uh, about a year now Um, we've been separated twice and um that was due to abuse that was going on in the marriage. So I have a history of abuse in my life, starting from when I was little. Um, There was abuse that happened outside of the home um, with people that were slightly older than me. Um, And that was more like a um, sexual abuse or molestation kind of situation. And then getting married i thought it was a good relationship i thought we were a good team Um, and we i think it it was okay for a while until we had children and that's when things started unraveling and um and a lot of patterns started popping up all over the place of um all kinds of abuse that not physical but it was emotional um mental psychological spiritual abuse all of those um and I'm still kind of working through and wrestling with the effects that that had on me um and it's still I mean I have good days and I have really really hard days so it's kind of it's still even though it's been a year of being apart it's still all over the place Mm -hmm. Um, but I do I do feel like I'm making progress and um Mending the Soul did help with that along with counseling Um, So that's where I'm at right now, and I'm currently going to school to get um, to become a speech language pathology assistant, and um, I have about just one semester left of that, and then (laughs) I know I'm so excited to uh, hopefully get to work with kids that are, you know, having difficulties for whatever reason, Um, and I am a special needs mom, my, um, my middle child has autism, and so that's been a journey. And then my youngest also has struggles in certain areas of, of learning. So um, so yeah, this will help me also um, while being able to help other people. So that's where I'm at right now.
1: So your special needs kids, um, what kind of challenges does that bring as a single mom and going through abuse? Mm,
0: oh gosh, I hadn't really thought of it. In that context before but it is it's a it's a lot because you're as a parent you're trying to focus on their needs and trying to meet them where they're at but at the same time you're trying to meet yourself where you're at so it's constantly trying to think of everyone's needs and trying to meet everyone where they are including myself so it is it's a lot to think through every day Um, yeah but I, I love them. And I mean, it's amazing to see their growth and um, yeah, but it is definitely a struggle.
1: So you, um, your kid's free today. Get a break. Uh, but how have you been coping during the pandemic with your kids? Um, what, what have you found that works? Mm,
0: yeah. So thankfully I've, I've been talking to family about this also our schedule Because of his running, his elopement, we have a hard time going to a lot of places already. So even before the pandemic, we didn't go to a lot of stores or we mostly spent our time outside and at home. So that really, I think, helped set us up for this situation because it wasn't a huge jump, you know, from being out around people all the time to nothing. So we were already kind of ready in some ways. So it's a lot of time outside as much as we can. Um, The kids love roller skating. They love swimming. um, They love, yeah, just being outside, doing anything they can. So that, and then, just, and even doing games inside the house together is fun, like pillow fights or box, <laughs> like my, my youngest likes to like, he's practicing boxing and, um, he loves to, like, I put on the oven mitts and then he has his little <laughs> boxing gloves. It's so cute. It's, it's fun. And, um, so yeah, just trying to get their energy out and then I work out also. So we're trying to like get all that energy from all of us out. So well. That's that's been-
1: it's pretty funny um when when we've had group um you know the kids are there you know three boys like climbing all over her and poking her and mom 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 and and she's trying to focus on you know her her partner group you know and and uh you know you just do the best you can right
0: (laughs) yep exactly that's i think it's learning to just roll with it so it's like (laughs) yeah and like the pandemic continues to teach us that I think is we just
1: have to be able to
0: roll with it as it comes
1: wow oh so tell us a little bit more about your upbringing were you raised in a Christian home
0: um my not with my mom and my stepdad who I lived with later but my grandparents who I lived with when I was little um they took me to the Nazarene church and I was a part of that community so I was a part of a church. I don't particularly remember learning about Jesus or um, salvation in particular. I just remember, just in general, learning about God in general. Um, and so that's kind of how I was raised. And then when I moved in with my mom and my stepdad, they're not a part of any faith community. Um, so I would go either with friends to church. Um, and then when I was older, I would just go by myself. Drove, I drove myself there. And
1: um, and that's kind of how it started. What kind of relationship would you say you had with God? Was it personal? Was it God was distant or mm. uh, I think when I was very little, it
0: didn't I didn't feel like I had a relationship really, but I always as I got older, I remember always feeling like he was there. I remember always feeling like I didn't quite understand how i knew that but he just i just felt like he was there with me and then as i continued um learning more and especially after ava or sorry (laughs) especially after my daughter was born um i really realized the connection with jesus and got my relationship with god through him and so that's when it really became very personal so like in the last 10 years um
1: more so you remember when you actually made a, that decision? Was there a day?
0: Yeah, I don't remember the date, but um, I we had been started having struggles in our marriage pretty soon after Ava was born, and I was feeling so confused and so lost, and like I needed to be doing more, and so I was going through the Love Dare book, and in there, it's it's it was really a really good book for that moment, and it lays out scripture each day and at the end it gives you an opportunity to accept Jesus and I remember being so blown away during that book because no one had ever explained to me the importance of Jesus and what he did for me and so when I I was like wow. why have I not heard this like oh my gosh and um yeah and so at the end I remember just sitting at the table crying crying like I could not stop crying and it was like something inside of me just like you know, clicked and, um, and yeah, so I, I said the prayer and, uh, every, a lot of things changed after that and continued to change.
1: Wow. That's, that, I've never heard a story like that. You know, I had the Love Dare book. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, the guy I was dating mm-hmm. that was abusive to me gave me that book and it was really strange. He tried to get me to go back to my ex husband, who was my one abuser. And um, yeah, it was, a, it's an excellent book, but at that time, you know, there wasn't going to be any parting of the Red Sea miracle with my ex-husband. I kept telling this guy, we were already divorced. It's over. Yeah. Uh, I'm moving on. <laughs> but yes. that's, that's amazing that you, that you found Jesus through that book. i well, praise the Lord for that. I know. And that's the,
0: I think it's interesting because I started reading that book to help with, the marriage and it did somewhat, but I think the most, it was cool because God met me where I was doing what I was doing, you know, and it didn't matter why I started it. Um, yeah, it's just so cool.
1: Amazing. So what were your teenage years like? Did you have a lot of self-confidence growing up? Oh gosh. Um,
0: I would say no. I mean, I, middle school was really hard for me. I had a lot of rejection and embarrassing things happen and they kind of linked with the abuse that happened when I was younger and so that kind of I spiraled quite a bit there and I just I think decided that I wanted to protect myself and so I decided okay I'm going to get straight A's in school. I'm going to run on track and I'm going to like do the best I can with that and I'm not going to get in trouble and I just made all these like promises to myself I think to protect Mm -hmm. myself so I think I appeared on the outside probably like I had a lot of confidence but it really was protection and um, so I don't feel like it was confidence at all it was all rooted in fear and trying to protect myself so no I don't think I did.
1: Mm. How did your grandparents play a part in your life they were very significant Mm -hmm. and that
0: yeah they still they're a huge part still um yeah i mean i it's hard to put into words everything that they've done but they gave me a safe place they've always been a safe place for me and no matter what they i have never felt abandoned by them i've never felt judged by them i've never felt um like they didn't try to understand me or, um, and yeah, so they've always, they've been a consistent safe place throughout my whole life, and so even in those hard times, I I did always know they were there, and um, I would call my grandma, instead of talking to my mom or anyone else, I would always call my grandma and talk to her, and she kind of helped me work through in college when I finally, I think I was hitting another breaking point in college, when I was, I was drinking a lot, and really. Depressed, honestly, I was running track at a college and trying to perform still, but then partying also. And there were these two parts of me that were like colliding, and it was so painful. And I didn't know how to get out of this situation. And so she helped me a lot through that also. And then later, with my realizing the abuse with Dan, with my husband, um, and deciding to make changes there, she helped me a lot through that also.
1: So mm, yeah, her
0: support meant the world.
1: I didn't really grow up with traditional grandparents. I didn't, my grandfathers died long before I was even cognitive and my dad's mother died when I was seven and then my, my other's mother, we didn't have a very close relationship because she was, she was a very abusive person and my mother Mm-hmm. Didn't my mother didn't want us around her, and she she really was a uh, nasty person. But so I didn't really grow up with grandparents. I think that's why I was always friends with a lot of senior citizens were my my good friends because I didn't have yes. grandparents. I had you know teachers and coaches and you know the next door neighbor. I kind of mm-hmm. clung to. So it was a blessing that you had have grandparents. be there for you and guide you through these tough times
0: yes yeah it's it is i i mean thinking about if i didn't have them i mean it's been hard enough even having that support so i can't imagine not having Mm -hmm. that support i mean it's been it literally feels like a a gift um that god has put there to help me get through all of this and um yeah i'm just really thankful
1: so we're going to transition to the unsavory part of the podcast (laughs) when when did you meet your husband and were there any warning signs uh that there was going to be abuse
0: Uh, so we met we were both attending arizona state university and we met there we were part of a co-ed business fraternity and um, we met at a party, and we—I mean, I—I I felt like right away that <laughs> I wanted to be with this person, even though I didn't know him. I was, as I as I was telling you before, like I was in a really unhealthy place all through college. Um, it's because I everything from my childhood hadn't been addressed, and was still all that pain was under the surface, and I think I was just trying to cover it up any way I could by drinking, you know. Um, sleeping with people and um that's kind of where our relationship started that's how it started in that kind of context and so we were both in a really unhealthy place i think his his um parents had just started the divorce process i think when i met him um and he had a lot of pain from his childhood too and so i think we both were just trying to cover up the pain and so in the beginning, I couldn't see any red flags because we were very similar, I think, in how we were covering up things and living life. And so it wasn't until really until we had kids, because my d- attention was divided between him and the kids and my and needing to take care of myself. Once my attention was divided, that's when all of the the patterns started bubbling up. So I couldn't see it until quite a bit later.
1: Mm, wow. Well, so when your children came along, you had a pretty dark time for you. Did you want to share about the, uh, the birth of your children? Yeah, I
0: can. So my daughter's birth was overall good. We had to have a C-section because she was, um, she was not head down. She was bottom down and she did not want to flip which is totally it's funny because she's very um like kind of stubborn in her own way and so it's funny (laughs) that she just was like nope like i'm i'm good right here i'm not i'm not moving and um so yeah the c-section went well and but i remember i felt so sad in the hospital um i was so happy to see her but at the same time I think seeing her face and seeing how vulnerable she was as a baby I think triggered everything in me at a whole new level from what happened when I was younger so that's how her birth was difficult and then um or my my second child's birth was a slightly difficult also I was trying to have a v-back and the cord was wrapped around his um around his neck and his heart rate was dropping Mm. and so we had to go in for an emergency c-section that one um went pretty well too um overall given the circumstances and everything so it wasn't until um, our third child's birth that was really really difficult and during that i was trying for another v-back which looking back i wish I had not done that, (laughs) Um, but I was trying because I felt like that's, I really wanted that experience, and so I was trying, and I found a doctor that would support me in doing that, and um, it was, the birth was taking too long. I was kind of stalled in labor, and they, I had an epidural, and I couldn't feel very much, but at one point, I felt a pop, And this was as they were planning to get me into the emerge into the room to deliver a VSC section they were already planning it we were just trying to get in there once it was open and available Mm -hmm. and i felt this pop as they were planning this and um i didn't know to say anything because i didn't know anything was wrong i couldn't feel any pain and we get into the emergency room no still no one knows anything has happened um and allowed to be awake and me okay and so I'm still awake and they find the um the rupture in my uterus and I, I lost about probably half my blood and um yeah and so that was very very traumatic in and of itself um getting out of the hospital was difficult because my blood still didn't look quite right to them my blood work and everything they weren't happy with it and so but i went home um, and decided not to get a blood transfusion um, just because i didn't feel comfortable with it i ended up developing a hematoma and an infection um, and had to go back in the hospital and was on antibiotics i think it was about a week i was in there and so when i came home i was experiencing ptsd symptoms but didn't understand that's what it was Mm -hmm. i literally thought i was going to die all the time i thought i was every minute of the day Mm -hmm. i was checking to see what was happening in my body because i thought i was going to die for sure and um, so I kept wanting to go to the hospital because I felt like what if I'm, I missed the infection before I didn't know I had this infection. No one was telling me that I looked sick, you know, um, and I could have died from that infection. And um, so yeah, I kept wanting to go to the hospital to see a doctor just to make sure I was okay. And I didn't understand what was happening to me, but at the time, he would tell me I didn't need to go to the doctor, you know, and yell at me that I nothing was wrong with me, what? that I was fine, telling me I didn't need to go to the doctor, making me feel bad about it. I was struggling to take care of the kids um, because I was going through all this and not understanding what was happening so this is where I really, really started to know that something was wrong, um, in the marriage because of how he handled this situation. So,
1: yeah, I mean, this is his children that he's talking about most, you know, normal people, if you're, you know, if you're suffering and it involves your kids, or your spouse you're going to take them to the hospital that's that isn't normal
0: no even when i had the infection and my fever had started at home and i was shaking like i was i couldn't stop like i would shake out of the blue my body would just that's how far the infection had progressed and he still was kind of telling me that i didn't need to go but thankfully my doctor was like you can come in tonight if you think you need to and i was like yes I need to
1: (laughs) yes when can i be over there like yesterday yes so was that the the first time that you've experienced abuse by him or there other stuff on top of the post pregnancy and delivery stuff there
0: was i mean there was stuff here and there definitely like control over money like making me feel bad about buying groceries like that i spent too much Um, when I just, I mean, I am very frugal, like I love finding deals. I love, love all that. I mean, I am into that. I always have been, and I am very particular about what I buy. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I still, no matter how hard I tried to do a good job, I would come home and it would not be good enough. And it would be that I spent too much money. And so, yeah, it's definitely control stuff. I saw I was happy before but I kind of took it on as this is something I'm doing wrong Um, and so it wasn't until the medical stuff happened that I realized that I started to realize a little bit that maybe it was something else.
1: Yeah you're not the only one that had that Mm -hmm. had that problem with the spending money. I was in charge Mm -hmm. of getting groceries and buying all the Christmas gifts for his family and it was always the same thing. You, You spent too much money and Mm-hmm. And you bought too many groceries. Like, well, why don't you try and get a full, you know, week budget on a hundred bucks and see how good you do?
0: Exactly. Or you
1: buy all the presents for your family and see how how well you do on the budget you gave me. Yeah, mm-hmm. the control, the the verbal and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. It's not just physical, folks. Your abuser can make your life a living hell without laying a finger on you.
0: Yes, and well, I think that's what I'm realizing now is I I still have physical um, issues related to the abuse that happened when Elijah was born. Um, I have heart palpitations that I believe come from a mixture of what happened to me physically but also what happened to me emotionally—that I felt so abandoned and so um, confused during that time because of what was being told to me by by my husband—and yeah—and just realizing the extent that the damage goes—it's um, it's very different than I mean physical abuse and emotional abuse have some similarities, but yeah, the 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 depth doesn't change just because we can't see it on the outside exactly Mm
1: -hmm. when did you decide enough is enough i need to get out now was there a specific day or an event well there were two i mean two it happened
0: twice so it happened in north carolina um he was continuing to escalate as far as like telling me he was suicidal which I believe he is, but he seems to he uses it in certain ways to get me to stop doing things that he doesn't want me to be doing, like spending time by myself outside of the house or spending time with friends. Um, you know, not being able to have intimacy and things like that. So he uses that as a way to get me to stop. And so that was escalating. Also. Um, I mean, he had started using intimidation, punching walls in the house, um, that kind of thing. So and the friend had just I had never no one had ever told me that what was happening was abuse and I didn't know. I honestly did not know. And someone had just that who had come from an abusive marriage had pointed out to me that I had told her what was happening at home and she was like, That is abuse. And I was like what I, are you serious mm-hmm. like i was in shock that i didn't know that and i think that was just a wake-up call for me and when i have confronted it he pushed back right against it and wanted me to come back home he and um i the kids and i had moved to a different house and um we're trying to figure out what to do and that's when i decided to move closer to my family And so that was the first time we got back back together about nine months after we separated because I just, I think I, I was struggling physically to handle everything on my own, plus dealing with my mental health. And it was really hard. And I think I was struggling with how am I going to do this? and I missed having someone to share life with I missed and I thought what if I what if I'm wrong what if I'm what if I'm wrong and I'm just as messed up as he is (laughs) and um, which I do have my stuff but it's different it's not the same and so we got back together and then about I think it was about three years after we got back together all the same patterns had come back up Mm -hmm. and it had started transferring over to things happening with the kids that as far as control and um just emotionally abusive language towards them and when i started seeing how it was affecting the kids that's when i decided no i cannot let this continue um because seeing that affect them how it could affect them being exposed to that long term I can't handle that so I think the kids have really really helped me to do things for them and for myself that maybe I wouldn't it would have taken me longer to do if it was just for me I think Um, so yeah that's kind of how that happened
1: yeah I, I didn't have children early in the relationship my ex didn't want kids right away but then we were married about five to seven year mark. Then then all of a sudden he decided he wanted to have children. And by that time, I already knew I was trapped in a marriage that was abusive. And I did not want to bring children into this world and subject them to that. Because like you say, it's it's fun if it's just me, but now I have, I have kids that I am in, in charge of. And, you know, it's going to affect them. So I just made the decision and I, I told him I'm, I'm not, I'm not having children. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I I already have to deal with everything in the marriage that I didn't have. I wouldn't have had any, anything left, but, uh, you made a lot of big points in that you didn't know that you were abused and I was the same way. I was mm-hmm. abused for 13 years. And I used to call up my one of my closest friends. And I used to cry every time, you know, this man would do something horrible. And I would cry. And what am I going to do? And, mm-hmm. and one day, you know, she tells me, you know, I'm tired of you calling me up and, and <laughs> telling me all your stories every time this man does something to you. And you need to get out of there. He's an Mm -hmm. abusive man. And I'm like, you know, but, but the church won't let me get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And she said, God is not going to not love you anymore because you've made the choice to divorce this abusive man. And that was the day that I, I woke up and I'm like, this is abuse Mm -hmm. all this time. That's what this was, mm-hmm. and I made the choice then and there. I need to make plans to get out. Mm-hmm. So when, when you decided to leave the second time, what, what were the steps that you took to get out? Hmm. Let's see. Was so what was that? Was it similar to the first time, or was it different?
0: it was a little bit different I'm trying to think through it I was more on my own this time I didn't like I didn't have someone I wasn't seeing a counselor at the time I wasn't really a part part of a group I think I was the most isolated probably that I have been and so I really I just I think I talked to my grandma and just telling her what was happening i also listened to some resources from leslie vernick and um there was one in particular i can't even remember what it was called but it was about oh gosh i can't remember specifically but it was how a man was treating his wife in the bible and i think it was the levite maybe the story of the levite and when i saw there just the implications of abuse and the effects and the seriousness of it and that's not what god wants for me um i think once i saw that i that's when it really clicked and and i was also getting so low physically that i knew i had to do something my body was starting to react um to all of the stress and abuse um, heart palpitations just constantly tense feeling like something's going to happen. And so I think all of those things and seeing the effect on our our kids, that's when I decided just to let him know that I'm not okay with it. And I'm trying to remember even, we had a conversation and I let him know, I think we need to be separated. And at the time he agreed with me that we need to be separated, but he, he wanted us to stay in relationship still, even though we were separated. But I knew in my head that I was Mm-mm. done, but it was good be that because that kind of started the process, even though he thought that, you know, in his head, he thought we would work it out eventually. I think it started the process and we lived in separate places. Um, and then it just has
1: continued from there with filing divorce. Mm. So you're still in the middle of the divorce proceedings now, right? yes Mm -hmm. what's your interactions been with him um through this proceedings it's been
0: just on and off communication he that's with him he's not outrightly like um glaringly abusive especially in text messages that's never been how he is really it's more covert So the communication part, except for about a year ago, we had a situation where he wouldn't leave the house. And um, that's when I stopped being able to let him be here with the kids. But besides that, the communication has been minimal. Thankfully, um, it's more been through money that the abuse has continued. Um, And also through the legal proceedings, what he's asking for legally feels like abuse also um yeah, so he was
1: like canceling credit cards and stuff yes. on you
0: <laughs> yes exactly yeah. yeah yeah so it's those it's those like subtle you know under the radar where people won't notice really that that the abuse is still happening
1: yeah so you look like the bad guy because you're leaving mm-hmm. your husband but he's mm-hmm. like you know trying to sell the house out from under you and the kids and and cutting your credit cards and it's like how are you going to feed the children where are they going to sleep i mean these are yeah. your children it's insane yeah. yeah your spouse makes you look like or it makes you feel like you've you've lost your mind or all well, like you said in the, the first time you left well maybe maybe he's not that bad maybe oh. i'm crazy maybe it's not him it's me no that's what they do that's what they do is they make you question your sanity and the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's still, that is the hardest part for me, especially right now with thinking about having to share my story with the court, with people maybe who side with Dan, um, you know, and having him there in front of me as I share what has happened. Um, I'm really struggling even right now with, yeah, yeah, do i know what's real can i can i hold on to that and not get confused so that's how the effects of psychological abuse go so deep like even if you know the truth it can create this pattern in your brain where you start questioning yourself questioning what you know um and you, and i tend to go back to seeing it as my fault um so i really have to push back against that and be around people who help me remember the truth and keep telling my reminding myself of what's happened and this is real this is not something that I'm making up
1: so how did you start the healing process
0: oh gosh I mean I think it's been a constant process of trying to put myself around people like I said who will will tell me the truth and um, about myself and about the situation and how God sees me so I went back to counseling um recently after many our mending the soul group ended I realized I needed to be around people still and I needed people to speak that truth so I went back to counseling and that's helped a lot um still listening to you know voices that remind me of how toxic that kind of situation is and that I don't need to stay in that environment um and also, it's just, I think, a process of acknowledging how much all of it hurt, um, acknowledging the damage that was done, um, and just the reality, letting myself accept the reality of the situation, um, while also taking care of myself, like, mentally, physically, um, and all of that. So it's definitely, it feels like a full-time <laughs> full time job sometimes, just... Mm-hmm. Um, trying to keep myself going in the right direction. Um, But I'm definitely, I feel like I'm learning about what I need and um, trying to meet those needs the best I can.
1: Would you recommend Mending the soul to others? What was your experience with the group?
0: Definitely.
1: Yes, I would recommend
0: it. Um, Yeah. That was a first for me being around other women who have been through abuse. And I think that that alone is huge, just being able to hear other people's stories and realizing that the patterns are the same, even though the situations are so different, and the effects can be very similar, too. And, um, and also the steps to healing and processing what happened are so good. So it's just that combination of community with people who have been through it, and also the the path to working through the what happened to you.
1: Well, I'm glad that it was so helpful to you. I, I've definitely seen some changes in you from the beginning when you joined, when you joined the group, and now. So that, I hope that's an encouragement to you. You seem so more confident, and you recognize. Those red flags, you understand now what he what he's doing to you when he's he's talking to you, he's gaslighting you he's he's narcissistic you know he's he's being manipulative you're recognizing those things whereas you might not have seen those things before mm-hmm. and um, talking to our listeners that are going through abuse right now, or maybe they just left their abuser, what what advice would you give to to someone else who's being abused right now? I think that I would say to take care
0: of yourself um, and to think about what you really need, that it's not wrong to think about what you need and where you're at. Um, I feel like a lot of times, especially in Christian communities, we take on this idea that I think thinking about ourselves and what we need is selfish or wrong. And I feel like that kind of, that mentality set me up to stay in that situation a lot longer um, than I probably should have. So yeah, just considering what you really need um, and getting people around you that will help you Decide what steps you need to take um, to get into a better position, a better situation where you can have healing and um, and just to, yeah, feel better. So I would say, yeah, take care of yourself and get people around you that can support you and help you make a plan.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good advice. What would you say your relationship with with God is like now that you've gone through some of your healing process?
0: Hmm, it's definitely, it's good, but I do, I still struggle with um, with not putting the, the characteristics, you know, and protecting myself from God, I guess. I have a hard time, like, not distancing myself, and so it's always reminding myself that he is safe, that he cares about me, that he's leading me through this, um, and that I can trust him. So it is really good, but it is a constant um, journey also reminding myself of the truth over and over so that I can keep coming back to him and not
1: hiding. (laughs) Oh. That's that is so true. It is a journey and it's it's messy sometimes. It's mm-hmm. but God understands He's there and He's gonna be patient and, and mm-hmm. waiting for you while you're you're still figuring things out and mm-hmm. awesome. Yes. So like we have a, a music segment at the end of the episode. I don't suppose you sing or or play an instrument or juggle or <laughs> anything <laughs> like that. No, I play no. the i
0: don't have
1: it oh how about a joke you got any jokes kid jokes cheesy (laughs) jokes (laughs) no don't have any jokes oh well how about (laughs) i know that you have one of these how about what's a christian song that really encourages you and that you just you just go to it whenever you're having a bad day
0: Oh, my gosh. I think I mentioned this one during the group, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the title of it, but it's um, it's the one like, He's Greater Than All My Mistakes. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember who. Oh, I can't remember the name of the band. But anyway, it's something about um, Greater Than All My Mistakes. And if you type that in, it should come up. Um, but it's amazing. And it just talks about how... It's just such a peaceful song to me and just realizing that he really is. He's greater than all my mistakes. The mistake that I made of being in a relationship with someone that's abusive, Mm -hmm. any mistakes I make with the kids, um, mistakes I make with putting characteristics on God that aren't him, you know, anything that I do, nothing is big enough that is going to change his relationship with me Um, and that he's always there you know, uh, waiting for me to, you know, turn and look at him. So, yeah, I love that song.
1: I will definitely put that in the show notes for for people to look that up because I did listen to it when you mentioned it the first time, and it, it is an awesome song. Yes. But I so appreciate you coming onto the show and sharing your journey with us.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So I hope you really enjoyed Ashley's story today. She had a lot of great nuggets to share with you. And I've, I've heard her story before, of course, in a lot more detail, a lot more gory detail. But you can tell that she is an awesome lady, an awesome mother, who's gone through so much, so many challenges, yet the Lord has really blessed her life, blessed her kids, So if you want to tell your story, you can go on my website, dswministries.org. On the homepage, halfway down, there is a spot you can click on, and it will take you to my calendar. And you can schedule to do an interview just like Ashley did. And you can be as detailed or as general as you like with your story. You are in control. I would really like to hear it. It will make you feel safe and secure here. Also, if you're a musician, if you have an original song that you would like to share on the podcast, you can email me at diana at dswministries.org and give me permission to play your song on the podcast. You can tell a story about how your song was created, what it means to you, as long as it's encouraging and uplifting Any Christian song, any genre would be fine. I would love to hear it. You can comment on any any of these podcasts right on my website. They're listed on the homepage and my blog. How did you feel about what Ashley said? Can you relate to any of the struggles that she's had, that she's continuing to go through? You can also leave a prayer request. Do you have a prayer request that you'd like me to bring before the Lord? I have my personal time with the Lord, usually at breakfast time. So I'd be honored to pray for you. So until next week, choose one thing, just one small thing today to get you closer to your healing goals. Thank you and God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links.
1: Hope to see you next week.